another another hard first watch, at least from my opinion here, 2014 Exodus Gods and Kings. Kieran, this making your top five? I haven't seen it. Mike? It does not, but I have seen it. Uh, not since it was in theaters, but I did see it there. Um, I was reminded that this came out the same year that Noah came out, so we had a lot of uh, yeah. big biblical epics. Funnily mm-hmm. enough, um, uh, Russell Crowe was meant to be in Exodus Gods and Kings, but because of the strife that he and Ridley had on the Robin Hood set, didn't come back to work on it. So uh, that's why we got Christian Bale. Um, mm-hmm. Christian Bale also first choice to play Noah in that movie. So there's a lot of uh, mm-hmm. crisscrossing there. Um, and with Noah, there's your Russell Crowe, Jennifer Connelly. Yeah. Reunion. There it is. So. There it is. Um, I, I, Mike, I have to imagine you don't recommend this movie. I uh, so it's it's low on my list. <laughs> I I don't know that I'd say I recommend it. I don't hate it. And again, take this. This is ten years ago. So the the biblical epic. There's I don't think there's like a movie in the genre I love, but I like the concept of it. I think like epic Bible stories are kind of rife for big filmmaking. And my stumbling block to enjoying those is that I hate Charlton Heston with a passion that can't be quantified. So this, this, you know, I think like when I hear this pitch and it's like Ridley Scott's going to do the Exodus story, I'm like, yeah, that sounds freaking awesome. And um, it's not awesome, but I, I was watching a couple clips of things to try to like refresh my memory and see where I would place it. It's low, but I'm not going to say like piece of shit, don't waste your time, because I kind of like the, the Bible epic. I like a lot of the stories around Moses. I think it's, it makes really interesting movies and this is not the best movie about that story, but it's not that any of us have two and a half hours to kill, but if you do, you could do worse. See, for me, it's you could it's watch 1942 or 1842, whatever the freak the Christopher Columbus. 14. <laughs> I, I believe it's Colum- Columbus sailed the ocean blue in, in the year of 1492. It um, it's funny though, because like, I feel like Exodus tried to be the sword and sandal movie that, gladiator was and all yes. and also the biblical epic that kingdom of heaven was and failed it both right which is why right. it was like oh man that was just a big a big misfire in my book Here, here's here's my positive pitch this is the one thing i remember i like this concept that the old testament judeo-christian god appears as like a little kid because a lot of the stuff that happens here kind of tracks like what's what would a seven-year-old like think of to say like i'm gonna get back at these people and it's like Frogs and locusts. You're, you're absolutely right. <laughs> Christian Bale sees like a seven-year-old boy when he's when he's talking to God. Cool idea. By the way, Joel Edgerton plays Ramses. I just want to throw that out there. That is the casting Ew. in this. <laughs> That's bad. Okay. All right. Moving moving on. I'm not, not going to back that up. I yeah. That is one of the worst parts of it. 2015, The Martian. Kieran, does it make your top five? The Martian makes my top five. All right, we're going to move on then. Alien Covenant. Mike, does it make your top five? No. Kieran? I have not seen uh, I have not seen it. I mean, if you want to talk about unnecessary alien prequels, this to me is, is a, a very unnecessary alien prequel. The cast isn't as strong. The story isn't nearly as fun. And um, I, 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 I didn't really 
I, this this is this is definitely a movie where like and and Mike all all your points about like not wanting to know about the space jockey origin and like I like I totally get that, but this one like goes even further into stuff that like I just don't need to know or care about. I don't need fleshed right. out and um, yeah of 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 rewatches other than Robin Hood. This was one that was like oh man what a what a letdown. I because I didn't remember it being that bad the first time. I remember leaving theaters thinking, I like this way more than Prometheus. And I think that what that was, was it felt like an alien movie? Like the technology was, because the problem with Prometheus is like, isn't this like a thousand or a hundred years before alien, but the text way more, it's the Star Wars prequels thing. But um, I, I'm soft. I like Prometheus more than Covenant. I think for those reasons that it, it just gets so entangled. And I think a lot of the ideas alien Covenant is going, is going for are interesting. These concepts of creation and, creations rebelling against creators and things like that just kind of like why why do you have to make it in the alien franchises it's not could could you not make this like an original science fiction thing because then it, like you said it just becomes about like well the end game here is how did we get a xenomorph and i want to paraphrase one of my favorite podcasts um f this movie they did a review of it when it came out and they this is kind of spoilers for the middle of the room movie. Can I do that? Yes, please do. So the the concept that of alien or um, David's process for making the xenomorph would at this movie said that's like if you watch Frankenstein and the doctor's plan is to get some other guy to fuck the monster's mom so that he can make <laughs> Frankenstein. <laughs> it's just moronic. <laughs> I mean, I, 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 I don't disagree with that. I, I just, I, yeah, I don't, it was just very, very low stakes, very low stakes to me. I didn't really like Billy Crudup and, and what's her name? Catherine Watterson lose their spouses. And I just was like, oh, okay. Yeah. I, yeah. And, and one of the better honest trailers, zingers in the casting for, um, I can't remember her name, the, the lead. Yeah, uh, Kat, I think it's Catherine Watterson. Her character's name? Yeah. Her, yeah. Yeah, but uh, they, they credit her as Ripley Believa. She's not. And that's a great. <laughs> <laughs> and, and nothing against her. I, I think the characterization is thin. I think that's a script problem. I think that cast does what they can. But it's, um, yeah, low stakes is a great way to tell it. And yeah, again, and it aggravated me that Ridley Scott kept oh, I got like four more to complete this arc that leads us to Alien. And I'm just like, well, I don't want it in the first place. And second of all, like, no, why Why do we need six movies for this? Yeah, that's fair. Um, and it looks like it's not going to happen, so. Yeah, I, I know. I know. Who knows if that another one's going to come? Um, okay, three left. All the money in the world. Mike, does it make your top five? Haven't seen. Kieran. You know, this is one I really want to see. And I've heard like, it's kind of one of those things where you you've heard you've heard you people tell you don't no don't you're not gonna like it don't see it but I'm like ah but I read the synopsis and I want and I I, I like Christopher Plummer and you know I'm, I'm gonna I think I'm gonna like it so I haven't seen it I think I'm gonna like it so uh, tell me tell me I'm not gonna like it yeah. no no I, I I think you will like it and I okay. think that's a that's about where it'll land um. It, it, a monumental task. I mean, for anybody who doesn't know, obviously Kevin Spacey originally cast like a month before the planned release. They, they scrap that they get Christopher Plummer who was originally considered to be in the role and they, they reshoot the scenes in a week. 
Um, other, th- I mean, and that's there's the Kevin Spacey scrutiny of it all, and then there's the whole thing that came out about Michelle Williams getting paid substantially less than Mark Wahlberg for the reshoots. Ultimately, the movie is a fine thriller kind of movie. Um, it's it's Mark Wahlberg not being so Mark Wahlberg. Michelle Williams is just typically wonderful in like everything that she's in. Um, but it's hard to not. I mean, it's a fine movie that it's hard to see for other than the the big sort of things that made the the headlines when it came out. Um, I don't not recommend it, but it's you, you've seen at least a dozen other movies like All the Money in the World. Don't you wish we had that phone conversation recorded of Ridley Scott calling up Christopher Plummer asking him to be in, in this thing? You know, Chrissy, Chrissy, it's Ridley. We we got yes, I got to get Spacey out of here. I, I must have you. Can can are you available? I would, I just would love to see how that went down between the two of them. Christopher Plummer just sitting in his big leather chair, you know, waiting for the phone call. At 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 eighty eight years old, the oldest acting nominee ever. Amazing, truly amazing. <laughs> Yeah, it's and it's it's worth a it's worth a watch to just sort of like to keep in your mind that Kevin Spacey was in it and they they re-edited this movie around that. I it's it's I think it's worthy of the watch for almost the experiment that this movie is. Um but yeah. sadly it does not make cool. my top five. Two more, both from last year, starting with 2021's The Last Duel. Kieran, does it make your top five? My 2021 movies I haven't seen yet. I got real bitter with The Last Duel because I had I had slated to see it in theaters, was all fired up, uh, was like was like gung-ho about it too because I know Ridley was real bent about people not going to see it in theaters. And I'm like, well, I'm going to get my ticket and go. And I had a conflict on that day. I'm like, ugh, I'll go see it. I'll have to go see it tomorrow. And that ended up being the last day that it was in theaters by me. I would have had to go drive to Brooklyn or the city to go see it. And was so bitter that I haven't gotten to sit down and watch it yet. And House of Gucci, I have no interest in. So, um, so yeah. So by twenty the twenty twenty ones, I'm I'm a gap on. Okay, great. So and so House of Gucci also. So neither of the twenty twenty ones. I haven't seen either of them. No, okay. unfortunately. Mike and I'll jump. I'll jump on that bandwagon for basically similar reasons. Um, Last duel is one I do really really want to see, but the time commitment just make to make it happen before recording in House of Gucci, I don't care enough. Uh. Okay, so um, I'll stick with House of Gucci. It's 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 just it's honestly as bad as you've heard. Um, I have no idea what a lot of the cast is doing. A lot of big swings, right, Kieran? Baseball terms like if they connected, these are fucking out of the park. Uh, but they're all misses. Like they're all yeah, one fifty batting averages left and right. Leto, like Leto, is the like he. Not he like swung and fell on his ass. That's like, <laughs> like that's what happened. Um, last duel, really good. It's really good, and like you'll get other people saying different things. Um, I do feel like it's really kind of going back to sort of that sordid sandal roots of things he's done before. I, I yes, you're gonna hear that it's it's Rashomon in a different time. Who gives a shit? Rashomon's a great movie. Yeah. He's stealing from the yeah, best. You guys- you know how much I love Rashomon. It's it's um it it I it didn't make my top five. Well worthy of your time. It it does make my top ten for for what that's worth. Okay, cool. here's, here's the big question. I haven't seen the Duelist or the Last Duel. If I could only watch one, which one do I watch? 
Okay, here we go. Given given my ranking, oh, I have the duelist higher, but I, I would actually recommend the last duel first. Okay, cool. And, and there's certain movies where like I hear people talking smack here that I just know that I'm gonna like. This just seems like one that I know I'm like. And oh, oh, it's two Rosh. All right, it's Rashmore with Adam Driver, Matt Damon, and Ben Affleck. I'm in. Come on. It's it it's it's kind of it's. The Matt Damon, Ben Affleck of it all is actually kind of kind of fun because they're at odds with each other in the movie, which is it's it's a fun little like they're not friends. They actually don't like each other in the movie. So that adds a little adds a little flavor to it. And and Matt Damon looking distinctly like Chipper Jones in the movie as a big Braves fan. I'm going to I'm going to be in on that, too. So <laughs> let's throw that in there. That's if, you know, if we if we gave you an opportunity to talk about the Braves, there it is. And if you didn't, I found a way in anyway. So. <laughs> um, okay, so gentlemen, we have built the movies that are in our top fives. Um, for the record, I believe if I have this correct, they are Alien, Blade Runner, Thelma and Louise, Gladiator, Matchstick Men, and The Martian. So, given which the, is a total count of what? Wow. That's those six. Are, those six. Yep, those are six, six. movies making our okay. top fives. So, um. We'll just start this way. Mike, what is your number five? Oh, wait, hold on. We can talk about this. We won't talk about the movie until we get to its highest ranking, sticking with a thousand and one by one tradition. So, Perfect. Mike, what is your number five? Um, the only first time watch that has made my top five list. It's Matchstick Men. Kieran, is that in your top five? It is not in my top five. I have not seen Matchstick Men. All right. It is, it is also not in my top five. Um, uh, uh, Mike, just so that you know, so you know where it is, that is my number 11. It's my number okay. 11 of the Ridley Scott films. This made your top five. So uh, talk to me about it. Why, what what did it for you? Well, you kind of alluded to it earlier. Um, it's kind of the movie that you don't expect Ridley Scott to make, and he makes it so well. And, and there was something about that that was so appealing to me that it leaped ahead of a lot of other stuff, including Kingdom of Heaven, which I really liked. The Kingdom of Heaven was the sword and sandal epic and, you know, the, the religious iconography and the stuff I expect Ridley Scott to do well. And uh, I am also a sucker for heist movies and, and con movies. I love to watch people grift. So I'm, I'm very taken. This is a different kind of world building for Ridley Scott. It's not a, a fantasy science fiction world. It's it's just really entertaining to watch Nicolas Cage run the scams, whether it's the, the one he and Sam Rockwell run on the old couple in the beginning or the lottery ticket thing. He's teaching his daughter like that stuff is very entertaining to me. There's good tension there with, you know, the as he says, like the job will always go wrong and you have to adapt. But I also just felt like it was a good character study like it's all about Nicolas Cage it's about his neuroses and his connection to people and I it's gonna be a weird thing to say because I'm about to talk about five movies that I think I'll have great characters and great acting in them but I don't think of Ridley Scott as a great character director I don't think of you know all-time great performances when I think of his movies it's about production design and stuff and I don't know that I'm gonna say you know Nicolas Cage's performance here is like oh it's the best out of his entire of Ridley Scott's filmography but I thought he did a slam dunk job he didn't go too over the top with it for a character that definitely could go that way I thought it was super funny which is also not something I expect a lot of out of a Ridley Scott movie it was a fun time and I kind of went into it expecting I would love it and I just did and kind of that goodwill alone just made me say like I gotta get it on the top five I had a blast 
Yeah, it's I and I agree with you about the con movie. I I love a good con movie, and you know you throw Sam Rockwell in there. Um, yeah, it's and they and they work really well together, and and uh, you know it's not quite like neurotic that the way that Jack Nicholson is in as good as it gets. It's a little mm-hmm. more. It's a little more believable, and and, and exactly, I love the way you phrase it. Like in a movie where we could get full cage. We we don't, and it works. It's it's a restrained cage working within the parameters of that of the character. And other than I, I have some issues with the end of the movie, but that aside, I it yeah, is a it, very enjoyable movie. But in terms of like directions that could go, I think that that even is still well handled because I know what you're saying. I I spent the movie saying it can't be going this way. It can't how it is. But then as it kept going, I was like, okay. And, and kind of last thing I'll say, another thing I don't really expect a lot of out of Ridley Scott movies, heartwarming moments. Last shot got me good. And I, I even like, you know, when he's talking to the shrink about his dilemma of I have this daughter and I'm in this line of work where it's on me to be dishonest sometimes and to see her doing that. And the doctor's like, well, how do you feel about it? And he takes that beat and he goes like, I loved it. <laughs> I thought that was such a great moment. Yeah, Kieran, it, I it, I would definitely say it is. It's definitely worth uh, a watch if you if you find the time. Cool. Uh, but Kieran, I'd love to hear what your number five is. Okay, here we go. Let's get uh, let's get spicy here. My number five is Blade Runner. Blade Runner. That's higher on my list. Okay. My number five is Thelma and Louise. Didn't make mine. Higher Higher on my list. Okay. Circling back. Mike, what is your number four? The Martian. Higher for me. Uh, Mike, the Martian is also my number four. Awesome. Um, I'm sorry. I misspoke, guys. Martian is also my number four. Hey, yes. so we are four. What a four, twist! Four. Um, what a twist! So I don't know why, but I all I, I've seen this movie twice. That's it, and for some reason, that's the first time I watched this movie. I I put it in my head that like this movie's not that good. This movie's not that good. Uh, I I recently had to get the brakes fixed on my car. So I watched, I was like, I need to rewatch this. This is one of those movies where I'm like, I don't remember it very well. I need to rewatch it. So I'm watching this on my phone in the Hyundai dealership by where I live as my brakes are getting fixed on my car. And the moment when Matt Damon hears Jessica Chastain's voice for the first time as they're trying to get, I am crying in the waiting room of the Hyundai dealership where my car is getting fixed. I don't know why I had it in my head that this was not a good movie. This is an excellent movie with a very, very strong performance from Matt Damon. I this movie hits on 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 like every cylinder. Yeah, uh, The Martian is absolutely electric. I mean, it is. It's an experience. It's an experience. And one thing that I I I, I really want to note about Ridley Scott is that he he really knows how to begin a movie and he really knows how to end a movie. And I mean that specifically in, in scenes and uh, not necessarily like the ending as far as like the arc and all that, but just the last scene he shows you, he leaves you with, with a moment at the end of, of his movies. And he does 
So with some of the movies that we're going to talk about here moving forward, some of the ones we've talked about already, but that last scene with, with Matt Damon on, on the campus there uh, and the first scene with the storm, you know, we talked about the duelist with the first, scene with the, he knows how to start. He knows how to end it. The in-betweens are, are what they are, but this movie is truly a journey. It doesn't matter whether you know if Matt Damon's going to make it or not. It really doesn't matter. You're with him and you're in it and you're experiencing it. And one thing I got to say about this, which is, which is, which is so crazy to me is there were multiple times through watching this. And this was the first watch for me this week where I caught myself not recognizing the fact that this is a fictional story. Like I'm, I'm watching, I'm like, well, this is probably not how this happened in real life. <laughs> and I'm like, well, wait a minute. No, take this didn't happen. This is a fake story. That's how well put together this thing is, is that you're like, oh, this is this is a Hollywood version of something that really happened. Uh, Mike, what about you? I, I got a couple of things. You bear with me here. So for, so first thing, why this is high on my list, because I'm with you, Adam. I spent a lot of time like Martian can't be that good. Right. I'm, be, I'm just being like a simpleton. The, the experience of watching The Martian is a big one for me because I didn't have a lot of interest in it. Again, two and a half hours. And I, I remember when it came out, I was super busy. I think I was like taking some finals or something, but it was my brother's birthday. He really wanted to go. So we double dated with our wives and we went, and I'm going to the movie theater. Like I got so much crap to do. I don't, whatever. I love my brother. We'll go. And I, I loved it. So I walked out of the theater, like super high. So any movie that will win you over from like that negative of a mindset and you walk out smiling, like you're always going to have good will towards it. Um, for me, why this is here, this is here for a specific reason. I think, I don't think a lot of Ridley Scott is a collaborator. He's definitely an auteur with the vision. And like you said, Adam, he doesn't work, you know, he doesn't have his crew or anything. Like it's, it's his way or the highway and he'll rotate people out. This one to me, I love so much because it does feel like a Ridley Scott movie, but it doesn't. It feels like he really stepped down and played to a lot of his strengths and let other people play to theirs. And I'm specifically talking about one Matt Damon with the performance, which is great. But the writing, he's got two, two writers here. Andy Weir writes the novel, which I haven't read, but I have read um, Project Hail Mary, which has a very similar character and situation and structure where it's just this nonstop, like snarky scientist in space up against some impossible situation that's going to kill him. And he works his way through the problems. It's kind of the same story. Um, and then Drew Goddard, who is great with the humor and the snappy one-liners, he comes in to adapt the screenplay and Ridley Scott lets him shine. And Ridley Scott gets to take care of the visuals. He's confident behind the camera. He's assembling a big cast. To me, this is like the collaborative Ridley Scott movie. It doesn't feel like it's all him. It feels like he's opening it up to the team and it works and it's fun and it's enjoyable. Again, I don't go into a Ridley Scott movie expecting a lot of fun and laughs, particularly this one is a blast, but it hits those moments. That same moment you call that Adam, where he breaks down like first piece of human contact in months. That's a great moment. I just love it. I love every minute of it. I'm, and I'm so glad you mentioned Drew Goddard and the fact that I, like I, again, I must've looked like a fucking insane person at this car dealership because <laughs> I, I am laughing at points because it, I do think it's funny. And I, and I like that they surrounded this cast with people like, uh, Kristen Wiig and, and, um, um, uh, uh, Donald Glover and and and, 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 and she would tell for yeah mm -hmm. um and 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 everybody's doing their thing and Matt Damon gets to say a lot of funny stuff and like I'm 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 like I'm laughing the laughs and I'm feeling the feels and this movie it 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 goes on so many different um journeys like and like you know when 
when the uh, uh, the room rips open and the potatoes are gone, like you you start thinking oh. like shit. How is he gonna like? How now is he gonna do this? And the movie kept me interested, which I think is a real. I mean, for any movie, it's a, it's a real testament to keep you interested in knowing what's gonna happen next. Oh, the cast: Sean Bean, uh, Jessica Chastain. We mentioned love Kate, love Kate Mara, love, love, love Kate Mara. It's just just so much fun. She with algebra. It's just it's just it's a fun cast. It's a fun journey. Um, I love it. I, I do have a question I want to ask you guys though. This is something I had to think of while I was watching it and, and doing this. Do you think this would have worked? And we have to play with the time machine a little bit here with Russell Crowe, a young Russell Crowe as the lead. Like we're thinking, like the the year after Beautiful Mind. What what would this movie? What would this movie look like? No, it, it exists because of that, like, sarcastic tone. And I'm not saying Russell Crowe's incapable of hitting that, but he can't hit it the same way Matt Damon does. Mm. Es- especially in that time period where, let's be real, Russell Crowe's running a little hot. Yeah, and, yeah. And he, he's cooled down. Um, I think it's 2015, The Nice Guys. That's a great Russell Crowe performance because he actually, like, for the first time in forever, seems like he's having fun on a movie. He lightens set. up a little bit, yeah. Yeah, so Adam. it maybe would have worked then. I don't think, like, 2002 Russell Crowe could pull this off. Adam, what do you think? I I I agree. Um, and it's it's a little bit too that the uh, there's something about about Matt Damon, and it, it's something that not a lot of like you know quote leading men I think can handle well in movies is that he he plays an everyman well. You know, Leo Leo like. Leo's not an everyman. Russell Crowe is not an everyman. But Matt Damon, there's something I don't know. I don't know if it's the Boston or just like that. I feel like I feel like Matt Damon still has a chip on his shoulder and it works well for him in movies because he's got something to work with when he does it. And there's something like when like I cannot hear Russell Crowe saying the line like I'm going to science the shit out of this. Come like no you're not. No you're not, you fucking liar. But but don't you want to though? <laughs> I mean, want and need. I don't know, but um, but no, I think I think Matt Damon is 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 so he's I he's pretty pitch perfect in this. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Wonderful points. And another thing, kind of last word I'll say on this: it's a very straightforward story and theme, but I love it. The the idea that you don't give up, your human resilience, you work the problem, you find the solution, you don't give up hope. I, I've I've said this a lot. It, it's the kind of movie you would watch in like high school science class as like the quarters winding down and the teacher's got to get grading done and you know it, it kind of fits. But it's, it's this cool message to be like, hey, science is really cool. Like, look at all these like things you can do with it if you know the formulas for water and oxygen. Like, this could save your life. This is a, a very cool presentation of these ideas. I think it's I think it's awesome. I, I want to shout out Jeff Daniels too, because like, I don't like, I don't necessarily love this newer version of Jeff Daniels where he's kind of stuffy and, you know, uh, just you know, a little, a little nose in the air. It seems like these days, but he worked as a heel in this. And as that kind of like the token authoritarian who just is just going to naysay, he, re- he really, wor- I, by the end of this movie, I'm like, God, Jeff Daniels is crushing it in this movie. Um, I, I, lo- I loved him in this. It was it, he needed to be a heel as opposed to like the newsroom baby face look. Uh, I liked I liked the, a little better a little better as the bad guy, the the authoritative uh, bad guy. I don't know if there's a dud in the cast. I, and granted, I haven't watched it in a couple of years, but I can't think of anybody that I'm like. Uh, I got one. Bad comic up. 
I don't mean to upset you, Adam, because you did That's... compliment her, but I don't think Kristen Wiig fits in this one uh, for me. I, I, she's a little miscast. For me. I, I, here's the thing. I actually, I don't disagree with that. I don't disagree with that at all. I, I, it's, it's, it's not that she's quite in a different movie, but she definitely is the most like this. This feels weird, but I, I think what I like about it is like she could have easily not done this movie, and mm. she and. What I, I think ultimately why I don't mind it is because she's not trying to make f- stuff that's not funny funny. And and True. she just kind of plays it for what it is. And like that could have that could I mean, I don't I don't have to say this. This is weird. Like it could have been a no name actress just doing a very serviceable mm-hmm. job. Like uh the redhead who I recognized from an episode of Black Mirror. Um and I was like, Oh hey, that's somebody. I kind of like it's like Kristen Wig is in the Martian. Like cool. Yeah, yeah, and I do like Kristen Wiig. It's not a knock on her. I just it seemed a little out of place for me, but yeah, I, I hear. Sure. Um, so before we get into our top threes, uh, I have I have a question for you guys. Um, do you like lists? I love lists. I love lamp. I love it all now. It's been a gradual progress, but I'm all in now on all all the else lists, lamps. Let's go. I'm so sorry. Um, so uh, I was I was looking for a list, and most lists. I mean, and they they do what we're doing, like a collective Ridley Scott list. And I didn't want to find that. I was trying to find like a like a top ten performances in Ridley Scott films. Couldn't find it. Um, so instead, I went to uh, I went to a source, and uh, I would like to read to you Liz Woodington's top five. Ridley Scott films. Yeah, cool. let's do it. Cool. Um, Love this. This definitely feels like like it feels like her list with maybe a little bit of Ian in there, and I'll there's definitely a, a one in here that feels like it. But this definitely feels like the almost like the the Woodington's top five when I read this. Cool. Um, so number five, Kingdom of Heaven. Hmm. Number four, and Liz told me to bait like shut your filthy mouth is what she said next to number four which is a good year nice number three Thelma and Louise number two Alien and number one Blade Runner yeah very cool so there's I I couldn't find like a a a very like astute or like peer-reviewed list um but i went i went right to liz and asked for what her top five was and she was she obliged me and and so there you have it yeah well, and we're, you kind of we're peers kinda, yeah you kind of brushed past a, a good year a little bit and i just want to ask is what because you you've talked to ian about a good year i'm sure i'm sure he listened to your to your episode on uh, on a blow freezing was pretty triggered what were the things that ian liked about a, a good year so i think I think a good way to talk about it would be the Mike, the way that you kind of felt about matchstick men feeling like a breath of fresh air. This is exactly the way that Ian felt about a good year. And I, I, if, if I'm, I want, I might misquote him a little bit, but he goes, if you want to hear me genuinely belly laugh, put on a good year. Um, and I think there's something about the, I, you know, the, the Europe of it all. I think mm. there's something about, you know, going from England to France or no it's uh yeah it's France right like god it's been a, yeah. a hot mm-hmm. minute there we go um 
I think he I think he appreciated the Russell Crowe performance. I actually think he also really appreciated the um Albert Finney performance. I think he liked yeah. the comedy. Um and I think it was just I think for him it was a good like a good time. Like this was the sort of like um like <laughs> this is bad like Netflix and chill, right? Put this movie on and I'm gonna kick the fuck back and enjoy this movie. Cool. Cool. Very cool. Yeah, and I see that. And and, and it's definitely kind of in the in the wake of like sideways with like the wine, uh, people, now everyone's getting into wine and that's all there. And there's, there is an ambiance to, to it and the scenery to it. And it's a vacation movie. It seems like the whole cast and the crew are on vacation while they're doing it. It's kind of, let's, let's all just chill. Well, one thing too, like, and you, you would hear this in the Bullet Reason episode. Like, I believe that every place they filmed in was like 15 minutes from Ridley Scott's house in France. It was, there you go. Pure- <laughs> purely specific to that he was like you know what? we're just gonna film right by where i live he was netflix and chilling while directing the movie that's <laughs> it yeah, direct and chill um all right so just there we go that there's our list there's our token a thousand and one by one list for the episode back to Love our it. top fives mike you're number three what is your number three? Oh, we'll talk about it later it's gladiator Ooh, I, I higher. Have, I have that higher. I have that higher. Uh, Kieran, what is your number three? My number three is Thelma and Luis. And Mike, you said that didn't make your list, correct? It it barely misses the cut. cut. I've got it at number seven. Okay, great, great. So Mike, you had that at seven. Kieran, you have it at three. I have it at five. Uh, Kieran, let's start with you. You're the high man here. What what speaks to you with Thelma and Luis? Sure. So I watched this for this uh, for this podcast and I had seen this in high school, you know, a a while ago. It's one of those. It's been so long since you've seen it that you kind of remember scenes, but you don't really remember the experience. And I was probably not uh, not cinema mature enough to really process what 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 is what is important about the movie. And I have to say out of all the movies that I watched for this podcast, this was probably my favorite experience. I, the performances from Susan Sarandon and Gina Davis are just, just mint. Like we are talking top of the line, best actress performances. Uh, um, the road trip cinematography is a masterclass. It is it is everything that a movie trying to put a, a road trip uh, journey across America together should go and watch. It, 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 is, it, it lays the blueprint and uh, the guidelines for how you should do it. Um, this, is a, this is a personal thing. Was that it, I'm sure so many people watch this movie and roll their eyes at the music and call it dated and call it early 90s or whatever. I just was a sucker for all the music in this movie from the, from the Hans Zimmer score to, to the, to the early nineties country to um, just that, that whole bar vibe and, and all of it. And my God, the ending, um, oh my God, I'm well, I'm just welling up a little bit thing, but it is just a, it's a brilliant finish to a film. And we talk about how to end a film. I mean, it, it is, um, it's just it's it's pitch perfect. It's absolutely a pitch perfect ending. Um, it's it's uh, it's a mixture between uh, being artistic, being uh, poignant, 
and being action-packed. And I think that that can sum up Ridley Scott's filmography with those, those three things. So this, this, this movie is now a, a part of my, uh, it's a part of my elite crew here with this. Just love, 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 love it. Uh, Mike, as the, as the low one here, the, turn it over to you. As the bad guy. <laughs> I, it's funny, <laughs> funny you should say that, uh, Kieran, because I think it was your Green Book episode you were talking mm. about like road trip photography. And I was like, I wonder if Thelma Louise is going to like scratch that itch for him. So glad to hear that it did. Um, yeah, I really like Thelma Louise. It is another one of those things like this is not the movie you expect Ridley Scott to make. And he kind of nails it. I agree with Susan Sarandon's awesome. I love Gina Davis's arc in this. I love this as a movie about her sexual awakening and liberation from uh, Chris McDonald. That's his name, right? Shooter McGavin. Oh yeah. He's always going to be Shooter McGavin. But, and he, and he's great as just like, it's a, it's a big caricature, but you know, it's so satisfying to watch him be just a total tool. Um, I think where it's a little lower for me is just that I, it loses me a bit in the middle. I think it's a little long and could get trimmed in these sections between um, the, the, you know, the, tr the traumatic impetus, which I really give credit for being filmed very seriously, that, you know, Gina Davis's rape scene is not kind of brushed off. It is shown for the horror that it really is. Um, I, I think between that and them kind of committing to the, the outlaw style kind of takes a bit long and I'm not totally sold on the Harvey Keitel character. I think it's a very serviceable thing kind of meant to just keep us on top of like how the investigation is going, which I feel could just be done with following Chris McDonald. So using him as like the, the synthetic male figure, it, it doesn't totally work for me. It's not bad, but I think these were just kind of like, as I was trying to find spots for the list, that's why I wanted up at seven for me. Yeah. It's, it's, it was interesting because uh, my, my five and my, and my six were, were really fighting kind of back and forth of what was going to kind of make, ultimately make my top five and um it's it is the relationship between susan sarandon and gina davis and that ending that really sort of pull it ahead and you know kind of like it's in a negative like you know in a, in a bad way i feel like this sort of gets wrapped up in like a, a gi jane kind of thing where it's like oh this is just the the kind ridley's feminist movie if if you will and i yeah. think that's such yeah. a disservice to what's really going on here because if for no other reason than there are so many movies, movies that I like that are all about the male road trick, the male bonding experience that I, you don't see a lot of movies like this. And I feel like when you do, they're they're <clears throat> almost so feminine that it's like it's like it's it's like kind of preaching. Yes, we are a feminist movie, and I don't get that from this. I just get that these two women yeah. are in a tough spot, and this is how they react to it. And that's I always like watching what I what feels to me like believable reactions to, to stressful situations. Like these are normal people reacting to extraordinary measures. And you know, I, I, I agree. Maybe it could be trimmed down, but like, I love, I just love these scenes of like them, them at a coffee shop and not knowing what to do because it's, it's immediately what fall. And I'm like, well, fuck that's, I, I would need a moment to kind of yeah. figure out what would happen too. Yeah. And, I, and you know, it, just it's not just a feminism movie it's a friendship movie i mean it's a it's a wonderful friendship it's a buddy movie but it's a buddy <clears> movie <throat> with two with two uh, strong women finding themselves I, I anyone who would any attempt to dismiss this as an attempt at 
at, at feminism. I, I, I don't, I don't buy that at all. I think they're missing, they're missing a lot of nuances to this movie. It's, I think it's a great film. Well, and also just like realities of the industry, like even if it is like the, the early attempt at feminism, like that's kind of the name of the game in 91. Um, and I'm, I'm glad you guys like both called that the road trip thing out. Cause when, when we did sideways on cinemas, which is a movie I'm fine with and don't love, I picked Thelma and Louise as my devil feature. Cause I wanted the, the female perspective of the road trip thing. And I, I rewatched it for this and was like, good choice. This is, I like this much more than I do sideways. Uh, yeah, but I like, uh, I love it. Sideways yeah. is great. Sideways <laughs> I mean, is great. Yes. Yeah. I, I know. I'm, I'm the outlier there. I don't get it. That's an, that's an all time acting snub. Paul Giamatti there. <laughs> it is. That's true. Yeah. That is true. Um, uh, on, on that sort of topic, if you were on the Academy voting, uh, voting Gina Davis versus Susan Sarandon <sighs> versus three duds. So the, the other three don't have okay, a chance so we're, of winning. So we're not taking Jodie Foster's away. No, 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 no. This, we're okay. in a we're in a fantasy Great. we're in a Great. fantasy bubble where there's three there's three duds three Nicole Kidman in 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 the Lucy movie versus <laughs> versus uh, versus uh, these these two. Um, who 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 are you casting your vote? <laughs> I mean, like, like shooting, shooting from the hip. I, I'm probably going Susan Sarandon. She's so cool. I think I, so that's I'll, my pick too. Okay, so yeah, it's not going to be a sweep because I'm a Gina Davis guy in this. Uh, I mm. think Gina Davis. You you mentioned her arc, um, and yeah, boy, yeah, she's just on fire in this, in she, this she, section of her career too. Yeah, she has the better arc. It just seems kind of wild card at times. I think she's overdoing it a, a couple of steps and. I, I kind of dial back from that because it's like, oh, she's been married to this tool her whole life and hasn't had an opinion to herself. So she's entitled to act like a 13 year old with her giddiness and stuff. Um, they're, they're both well-deserved nominations. I don't know if they split the vote between themselves or if everybody was just clearly it was going to be Jodie Foster, which is a great pick too, but it's a strong year for lead actress. Mm. I, here, here in, in another world, what I would love to, to have seen happen is what happened with Once Upon a Time in Hollywood where they just made a decision Leo mm. gets lead. We know he's not going to win. And it really sets Brad Pitt up to win. Yeah. And the reason is like, give Susan Sarandon lead so that Gina Davis, who does, I think mm -hmm. also have the better arc. She can win her second best supporting actress. Uh, Academy mm -hmm. Award. Yeah. The old yeah. category fraud, the old category. fraud. And, and speaking <laughs> of the tool, speaking of the tool she's with, I mean, we're going to talk about people going for it. I mean, Christopher McDonald's in this, I mean, he, yeah. he's acting yeah. like he's being held at gunpoint. And he, and the world will end unless he goes over the top. I mean, it's, of, this is this is something his performance in this movie. One of the best scenes in the movie is when the cops are at his house and they're instructing him how to pick up the phone. And he, <laughs> well, hey, Louise, how's it going? She just immediately hangs up like he does. Oh, does so such a great scene, such a great scene. Yeah, I I, I want to leave a very. I'm gonna I'm gonna put something out there that I'm not gonna follow up on. Uh, but if you're curious message me side uh christopher mcdonald uh when when my wife was still working up in bellingham uh, hit on my wife we'll leave it at that uh but there's a f <laughs> very fun story that's behind that okay. um <laughs> okay so uh glad uh uh thelma and louise karen that was your three that's where we were working correct that was my three yes okay. my three is black hawk down Ooh. don't have it on my list uh, I I have seen it. Not on my not on my. Didn't make my top five. Oh wow! 
Okay, there it is. Just me, huh? Um, so I guess I I love I would love to start just kind of with like what what is it about the movie that doesn't crack the top five for for either of you? I'll I'll start. You, yeah, um, you better. I, have, I got some stupid shit to say. Yeah, I haven't <laughs> I have an issue with the narrative and the the character the characterization in the movie. I, I have I have a hard time connecting with the characters in the movie. It, it's it's super stylistic. It's cool to look at. Um, it's I, I just there's a there's a lack of connection here. And, it, and in many ways, it's a good example of a lot of the things I don't love about Ridley Scott as a director. Uh, um, I, I I find it kind of cold at some points and just, it, again, difficult to connect to. And that might be a me thing. Um, I think that I think that this movie is 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 market corrected by a by a Hurt Locker a little later on. Um, that, that, that gets a little more human. And this is a little, a, a little flashy technical for me. Uh, uh yeah. Mike. Um, yeah, I got, I got, this is really probably the stupidest critique I'll make this entire show. So I, I watched this one and I had to split this one up over two nights. And so part of my critique here is about to come from like, I think I picked the exact wrong moment to stop. Um, I think it's one, it's too big. I'm going to back you up on that, Kieran. It's too big. It's, it's too many characters. It's too much. It's asking you to like follow along with. Um, I think it's also too repetitive. And this is the stupid critique because I stopped the movie at this point and I go to work the next day and I'm thinking, I'm going to finish Black Hawk Down tonight. But what do I think so far? And I'm like, it's the same conflict playing out over. It's, it's these guys are on the street. They, they're holed up in this corner. And the whole time it's just, holy shit, look at all these militia guys shooting us. How are we going to get out of that? And then they shoot their way out of it and they get to another street and it's the same. Holy shit, look at all these militia guys. Now that's a stupid critique because if I was there at the operation, that's exactly what I'd be thinking if I had a moment to think to myself. So I I can't blame it for being true, but it, it felt like that's the beat, that's the beat. And, and then the night I came back and watched the second half was when it finally had some breathing room and we had a lot of the scenes I actually liked where they're taking care of the wounded. The the scene of getting the guy's artery out of his leg is a tough watch, but that one like connected with me. Um, I have this kind of theory that I think Ridley Scott for a couple of years there in the late 90s and early 2000s resented that he didn't direct Saving Private Ryan. Because especially wow. cinemat- cinematography speaking, he is he apes a lot. Like Gladiator is replete with what Spielberg and Janusz Kaminski kind of pioneered with the the shaky cam and the you know newsreel footage kind of look. Because he doesn't in Gladiator. I think this is kind of Ridley Scott finally scratching that itch for himself. I think he does it well. I'm not saying it's a bad movie. It makes my top ten, but it's I I'm with you, Karen. Like I need more focus. I need like a couple squads of guys because there's a lot I appreciate about this. But I don't feel like I've got a lot of time to connect with a ton of people. And it's also maybe a movie I feel, maybe I need to think on this more, but I'll just go for it. It's a little too propagandic for me, especially situated where it is is a very recent like post 9-11 movie and talking about like, is it worth us for us to be here fighting this war in the Middle East? And uh, what's his name? the lead who's in Pearl Harbor, Josh, Josh Hartnett. Hartnett. Yeah. Josh Hartnett has these speeches like, well, we can, it's, it's wrong what's happening and we can, we can do something about it or we can watch it on CNN or something like that. And, and I don't think the movie is like 
gung-ho hoorah you know it's, it's not like the way michael bay would have handled it but i don't know that it feels I don't, I don't feel like it delves deeply enough into these ideas i think it kind of like has characters say those lines but at the end it is it's the saving private ryan thing it's it's the brotherhood it's we're in this together and I, I think that stuff still works well, but it's not an all-timer movie, Scott, for me. It's it's a very solid one. It's one I'd be happy to watch again, but I'm not a mega fan. Yeah, and I also don't think it's a bad movie, just to, to back it up. And I kind of yeah. I, I kind of think the directing nominee is, is is cool in that. And if I'm not mistaken, it got a film editing nominee too. It won. Yes, yes, it won. It won uh, film editing. That's yeah. right. Yeah, nice. Um, yeah. All right, so Adam, we'll go. Yeah, it, it's funny. I... It, it's so it's so cool to say the next thing that I'm going to say because it's so kind of counter to what you were all uh, all doing. Um, I think this is the most innovative and best directed film that Ridley Scott has done. Um, Ooh, I I really really like what he's doing, and I, it's it's hard to not think about uh, a war movie post Saving Private Ryan and think about the influence that that movie has had on on the war movies following it. Um, for me, I think what what I like about it a lot. It, well, and I actually I want to respond to the nine eleven thing, which is interesting because I think that's just bad timing because the movie mm. was being filmed pre nine eleven, and then it comes out, mm. and then it, it's hard to not make those right. very direct right. um, comparisons. And I do think that there is a a section of this country that probably was like, yeah go America and, and let's go over there and, and kick some ass, which is unfortunate. I think it's an unfortunate side effect of when this movie came out and what was going on in the country. Um, but I think, and I think for those reasons of like seeming repetitive and what they're trying to go through, I think that's why I like it. I do like the ticking clock nature. Like it's, it is relentless and I don't know, maybe that's just the, like the masochist in me, but I think that's kind of why I, I, I enjoy it. It's, it's, it's a hard movie to watch. That, that um, the, you mentioned the artery scene, which is just my god. Oh, um, oh. but I don't know. I I watched it before we did our gladiator episode, and we were kind of talking like you know, like kind of what we're doing here, Ridley Mount Rushmore. And I don't, I don't know if it made mine then, but it it it's it's making mine now. It's my number cool. three. All right, I love it. I I love it, and, and yeah. well said with that. I don't know if this is a false equivalency, but I had a similar experience to this when. Uh, I watched the Thin Red Line. Have you guys seen the, the Thin Red Line? Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yep. I kind of had a, a similar thing where there was just a lot of a, a lot of moving around and a lot of over stylization where I had a hard time connecting to to what actually was was going on with the story. So uh, I yeah. don't I don't know if if that makes sense. Well, what I what I think is interesting about that is that I think the Thin Red Line is actually trying to give you connections to each of these people. And depending on how you feel about that movie, it I don't think it succeeds very well. Whereas with Black Hawk Down, you're not you're not necessarily getting to know a lot about these guys, and it's I don't think it's the point. I think it's about these are soldiers who went in and they're stuck, and how the fuck do we get out? Right. I mean that's that's the point of the big ensemble is so you like remember the characters, you know, because because that's one of the great things is like it's Orlando Bloom and it spends this like it's his first time in the battle and he just falls out of the helicopter and breaks his back. And that's, you know, they get him out and that's the last you see of Orlando, which is kind of great. Um, yeah. Shout out to Jason Isaacs. I, he crushed yes. I love him. He's my MVP of that movie. He's great. <laughs> yeah. And to, to tie that back to, to Ian, as you mentioned this earlier uh, about first films, uh, Adam, and uh, you guys disagreed on, on Badlands. I love Badlands. And, and I watched it because you guys covered it. I was like, Oh, you know, I've never seen it's a short, 
I, I didn't like Thin Red Line. And I don't know if I'm going to like this one. And totally dug it. I'm, I'm Team Ian with, with Badlands. The great, great one. I'm yeah, not, stand alone I'm alone not alone anti-Badlands. I just don't think it's <laughs> as good as other people do. Um, okay, we're close. We're so close. Two. So close. Mike, what is your number two? My number two is Blade Runner. And Karen, that was your five. Five, yes. Uh, just so that we're all aware, Blade Runner would be my six. Mm. Higher than I would have expected, actually. I I know that we covered it on the tribute episode, and my my esteem for Blade Runner went up so much doing the... I, I can't even count the hours of research I did onto Blade Runner when we covered it on the show, because I did not want to fuck that up. Um, but ultimately, I would. It's it, it's just comes down to a factor of I would rather watch any of these top five before Blade Runner again. Right, and crafting a top five list, watchability is a big factor for me too. Like it's a time commitment. So here's the thing: like I debated putting Blade Runner lower. It's probably not the one I'm going to reach for over The Martian or Matchstick Man or Gladiator. Um, but damn it. <laughs> And I resent this. I have had a long and troubled history with Blade Runner. And I've covered it on Cinemas too. It was a very early episode for us. We uh, double featured it with Akira. I hated Blade Runner. Probably the first three times I saw it. Why do? Why three times? Why do I keep coming back? And I've kept waiting for that watch where it just clicks. And all of a sudden I'm like, sci-fi masterpiece. This is amazing. And it's not happening. It's just, I like it a little more every, just like you, Adam. I like it a little more every time I see it. But I keep wanting to go back. And it is a movie. It is like the president of this club of movies I talk about on cinemas all the time. Of movies that are more fun to talk about than they are to watch. And that is Blade Runner. But the the pull, the desire of me to say, like, there is a lot here. And I'm going to drag it out one viewing at a time. Um, that's what puts it so high for me. I Your Blade Runner show is great, Adam. We have, we have similar points. Um, it's a movie that exists to create the world. Like its contribution in science fiction since 1982 owes it all to Blade Runner. And the acting is not stellar with the exception of Rutger Hauer, who I think should have won best supporting actor for 1982. Cause I love him in the freaking movie. Um, but yeah, it's, it's just, it's an enigma and it's one of the ones that puzzles me and that I don't, I don't dare say I'm a hyper fan of, but I keep coming back to it. And it's, it is a good movie. Like I'm, I'm almost loath to admit it. Spending so many years trying to prove it's not, it is, but it takes so much work. So, it, you know, but you know, it's my list so I can put it in number two, it, yeah. even though all this sounds like a lot of work. Kieran, what about you? This was your, this was your so, five. This was my five. So this is so great. This is so great because uh, I, I have a lot to say right now. I know uh, uh, bear with me here. Because uh, I broke a, a cardinal sin of 1001 by one here with this. And, and that is, and Adam, you've said this in a, a bunch of episodes, is that we're, you know, we're not here to just pick the movies and keep the movies in the book that you're supposed to like and that are, are widely recognized. You know, no. But do you like I don't like this movie. I have like a shellfish allergy to this movie. It's like, you know, uh, uh, it's like I know lobsters everywhere. It's making everybody around the world so happy, but I break out in hives and it just, it, it just, it, it gets under my skin. And then, uh, so I rewatched this last night, like, like a good soldier. 
um, because I knew that like it was, do I watch a new one or, or I think I really am supposed to revisit Blade Runner here, the final cut. I got I got to do it. Um, I'm very happy that I did. I'm very happy I did because I, I think Mike, you said it perfectly where this is a movie that you like a little bit more every time you see it because it's, it's super ambitious. It is, it, it, it's just, it's, it's a movie that is, it, Adam, you led this whole thing off with world building. This is the definition of Ridley Scott world building. Yeah. I mean, yeah. he's building a world bigger than the story that he's building. But you know what helped me this time through with this? Because this is, it is, is quantifiably a great movie as far as, as, as far as movie making and cinema. And whether you like it or not, or whether it entertains you or not, you, it's very difficult to sit here and say that it, there's not big things going on here uh, from, from beginning to end. But what got me through this time was just going in, n- knowing that this is a film noir. And forget about the forget about the the, the the futurism, and forget about the you know the, the the wacky characters and and the little people and all that stuff. It is it's film noir first, and if you if you chain yourself to that concept, it is a much more enjoyable watch, and you can get into the passion between a, a Sean Young and 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 Harrison Ford. And I really this time around, I really dug that, and I have to say. If you've come this far with us listening to this, you got to listen to Adam's tribute uh, tribute episode with Blade Runner. It is a wonderful, wonderful podcast episode of all the tribute episodes you did to Ian. That one is, I mean, you two, you two crush it, crush it in that episode. And in listening to it today, my mind was just, the wheels of my mind were churning, thinking about the movie and thinking about my experience with it. And, and while I'm not necessarily enjoying myself, I'm sitting there looking at the screen, there's a lot to think about. There's a lot to talk about. And it's, it, it, it is a great, it's a great film. Now I got, I got, I, got a, I know I've talked a lot here, just put, throw, throw some pet peeves. I have a little one, a pet peeve of mine is that why everything in the eighties, every futuristic vision, the eighties has to look like a Michael Jackson music video. It just kind of drives me, drives me nuts a little bit. Um, and, and the other thing too, is you, I know you guys both love the villains performance, but, I just, I, I, it just, it just looks to me like someone took Billy Idol and buried him in the pet cemetery and he rose up and wreaked havoc on the town. I can't get past that concept. That's just what it is to me. So, all right. Tag, tag, tag me out. Tag me out. I, I got more, but I think you should jump in, Adam. I, I mean, I, uh, think, well, first of all, thank you for the, the, the wonderful Blade Runner compliment. Um, and it's it's okay me. I mean, I think this is one where it's and I, I I asked the question on the episode when we when we when Brittany and I covered it, you know, but the the style over substance and and you can certainly glean a lot, you know, in terms of thematic <laughs> issues and things that can be can be definitely like delved into much further conversations. But like we talked, we I mean, Brittany and I talked about the opening visuals of going over the city with that the score, and it was just like, I mean, that alone is worthy of conversation, and so. I just wish it's like, you know, I, I, I think I just want a little bit more. And, and, and I, I agree that the film noir kind of helps, uh, helps kind of pull you through the movie. But I think by continuing some of those, those tropes into the eighties, there's something that, I don't know, it, it's a lot of worlds trying to mesh into one and, and it, I can't necessarily click to, to, to all of them at the same time. And to, to keep it real, I, I do think 
kind of the ambiguity does get away from Ridley Scott a little here. To, to bring it back to what we're talking about with Alien Covenant and Prometheus and these ideas of creator and creation and all that, I, I think Blade Runner does it best out of the movies he's done. But there is a lot of leeway that he's doing with the, the unanswered questions and all that. And I, I do think, I don't want to call it lazy, but it's not as tight, it's not as structured. There's that fine line between like leaving things ambiguous and there's like, okay, well, it could just be freaking anything. And Blade Runner falls into that trap a little bit. Um, I, I think what you get out of it is still rewarding. I, I was interested on that episode. One, I 100% agree with Brittany that, um, well, first of all, that the final cut is the cut I assume we're talking about here um, is the good one. Yeah. But also that, that that even that cut needs to lose the unicorn thing that the movie is so much better without the unicorn twist. It's I think you guys said it. You said it best. I, I might be messing it up, but you said it's, it's kind of the antithesis of the entire point of the story about a, a guy who's losing his humanity and who's like the challenge is thrown down by someone who's not human to, to do better that this guy who's a replicant has shown what it is to be human and he, you know Harrison Ford's trying to regain that and for Ridley Scott to be like oh you want one more like brain puzzler in my super heavy science fiction movie what if he's a replicant too like well then nothing matters and you're just spinning the top for no reason well I, I have a reaction to that because I have a reaction to it I hate the concept about him being a replicant I don't I don't want to believe that I don't believe that but mm -hmm. why I do like the leprechaun and the, and the origami the end is I, I thought that it it and this was just a personal interpretation of some someone who's seen the movie like three times so not someone who's who's watched this a million times over their life i i i thought for a moment there that he was in her shoes and he understood where confusing a thought from your youth and and being confronted with the idea that what you had and what you remember isn't really there. Yeah. I viewed that him maybe stepping into her shoes for a second, which is, which is kind of, kind of what I took out of it or, or, or what I liked about it. But yeah, which, which again is like a lot of people say like open for interpretation to me. I've never bought that it's open for interpretation because that is such a hyper specific vision <laughs> that a mm -hmm. close lip guy like Rick Deckard wouldn't share that. It's like, I don't know how you interpret it any other way than Gaff's read his file and knows he's a replicant because they've implanted this memory in him. I, yeah, sure I mean, he's he, not, he, but he again, as Brittany, as Brittany highlighted, he's not in the book. He's not a replicant. It's, he takes yeah. the test and he's specifically not a replicant. So there, I mean, based on the source material, you'd have to imagine that there's some ambiguity there. Mm -hmm. I don't know, but I, I do want to just throw out onto, um, style over substance because I, I thought about this while you guys were talking about it adam and and by the way Brittany crushed the episode absolutely was was wonderful in the whole thing but you know with the two of you questioning style over substance particularly particularly Brittany, like i was sitting as a listener saying like you guys are questioning style or substance yet but you you're you're breaking down so much complex Thanks. information that i'm sitting here as a listener like wow like this is like i didn't think about anything like that's there's a lot of substance here and you're and you're going so i felt like you kind of answered your own question a little bit with that is that within the walls of this movie there is a tremendous amount to talk about and uh and to me that's some substance no i oh i totally agree i i, I totally agree and it, but I, it is one of those where it, it does and i don't think this is a bad thing i think it does require a lot of active work from you as a, as a watcher this is not yeah. a passive movie yeah oh yeah Do, you know what i mean so like you need to bring some some of yourself to this movie otherwise it's like 
well, that was that was pretty looking. But other, you know, because it, it could just be a very short conversation at, at that. If you're not bringing in like, ooh, let's talk about these kind of grander themes that are that are kind of um, well put into the movie. Yeah, yeah, cool. Last thing I'll say, I, I think a big problem with Blade Runner because I have like been there for so many people's first time watches. Blade Runner on paper, especially at the time it's made, sounds like the best movie ever. Like, can you imagine, like, if the three of us are, like, roommates in college in 1981, and one of us comes in and says, guys, so this guy Ridley Scott that made Alien that we all loved, and it's this amazing science fiction movie. So Harrison Ford, who's been crushing his Indiana Jones and Han Solo, he's going to be in this Ridley Scott movie where he plays this detective in the future who hunts down and shoots robots that look just like people. Like, doesn't that sound like the most kick-ass, awesome science fiction movie you've ever seen? And then it's very much not that which is actually something i think you admire about it but again like you said adam it's after you've had to put a lot of work in because you get halfway through the movie your first time going like wait what he's doing like a lot of the detective stuff and not enough of the robot shooting i feel cheated. <laughs> well yeah yeah i i mean definitely you know plugged it a little bit but yeah go go back and listen to that blade runner episode um please do do yourself a favor uh Okay, so Mike, that was your number two. Kieran, what is your number two? My number two is Gladiator. Ooh. Yeah. This is a surprise. I labored, I labored over it for, for many days. <laughs> many days. Um my I have it higher. My number two is Alien. Which, if my math is correct, mm. I would guess is both of your number ones. It is indeed. I it got indeed my Nostromo t-shirt on. I'm ready to go. <laughs> um, uh, let's see. What should we talk about first? You're the boss. Let's do, let's do what is ultimately going to be ranked slightly lower. Let's talk about Gladiator first. Um, so let's see here. Uh, Kieran, you had it at two. Mike, you had it at three. You're the low one here, Mike. What, why is yeah. Gladiator at three? Um, I spent a good decade not liking Gladiator. It, and it didn't really have much to do with the movie. It had to do with the fan base. I just, it was a lot of, I guess we would call them film bros now. <laughs> it, it was in college. It, it's everybody's favorite movie. It's the the masculine, like, fight for freedom. You defend all this and, and I also like was rubbed the wrong way for a long time about everyone's like, it's this great political thriller. And I'm like, it's messages that like politicians use entertainment to do people like, is that like the most dense, like this isn't like a dense conspiracy. Um, I've, I've come around gladiators. Great. And in terms of like watchability, like I'd put this on ahead of blade runner. Like, honestly. Yeah. Um, I, I think more just like my maybe it's just that I've had to put so much work into Gladiator. I'll be damned if it's not going to be number two. Like I'm not giving up all that effort. But again, like I mentioned, I, I was obsessed with Gladiator before I had seen Gladiator. I, I wanted to know all that about. I was too young to watch the violence and stuff in it. Um, we'll talk about this. I'm on the fence about the Joaquin Phoenix performance, which is maybe another thing that brings it down to number three for me. But it, it is. It's the sword and sandal epic. It, it's what Ridley Scott, aside from maybe like the the thinking man science fiction movie, I think it's the genre he is best known for. And this is this is the ultimate from him. It's it's no question. Um, 
and it delivers on a very satisfying genre like a, a good story that you want to be a part of this you know the general who's knocked down and fights his way up from slavery to take down the the emperor you know that's a that's a really cool story um action scenes are handled great um is it oliver reed he plays proximo yep. oh hell yeah he's awesome oh yeah hell awesome. yeah he does um russell crow we've talked about he's great so it's it's kind of splitting hairs i i think there's just maybe some residual not ill will, but I, I've I've also fought my way up into liking Gladiator, and I dare say I would actually say I love Gladiator because it's an easy watch and looks great. Yeah, it's a great movie. Don't don't take it personally. It's number three. <laughs> I put a lot of work into Blade Runner, and I love Alien. I I won't take it personally. Um, Kieran, is it your number two? Uh, it's my number two, and it's my favorite. It's my favorite Ridley Scott movie, but not in not in my opinion his best. And it's again that's where ultimately this this battle that I fought with myself here as to where do I what do I go one go two do I are we going favorite are we going best and I I, I clamp down and we'll talk about the other movie in a little bit. But yeah, Gladiator is an important part of my uh, of my growing up and and un- understanding um, and watching movies and, and cinema and the performance of Russell Crowe is like none other. We talked about starting and ending movies, but the final scene with uh, Jim on Hansu, um, we'll meet again, but, but not today. I mean, that's just who, that, to talk about inducing a tear and pumping a fist at the same time. Just what, what a way to end the movie. Uh, um, Mike, I'm a little bit taken aback of the, of the, um, of your introduction to the Joaquin Phoenix performance. Cause um, I, I think that the, one of the, one of the worst kept secrets around best picture guys is when we finally do this movie that everyone is whispering to each other that, you know, who my MVP is going to be, uh-huh. it's going to be Joaquin Phoenix. Yeah. It's going to be, cause I think he is the heel of heels in, yeah. in this one. I, I think he absolutely, uh, I mean, just, he's, he's doing, he's doing something that's transforming a supporting actor into someone that we're going to understand as one of the, one of the best actors of, of, of their, of their graduating class, quote unquote. And uh, it's a it's a it's a transformative performance here for me w- w- with him and and yeah Oliver Reed baby woo I'm coming around on the Joaquin Phoenix I I think it's that I think he just for my personal taste which everybody takes a performance a different way Rucker Howard works for me amazingly in Blade Runner it tracks with his character I totally get where you're coming from with him that that was a great Billy Idol buried in the Pet Cemetery. I think Joaquin Phoenix, like whiny muling, just goes too far in a couple places. Like this, this childish, spoiled attitude. It, it works great in some scenes, and others, I think he's just kind of overplaying it just a smidge. I, I've come back around, and it tracks for his character. You know, he's he's the weakling. He's son of the emperor everybody loves, and he's just so not that guy. But you know who is Russell Crowe, and everybody loves Russell Crowe, and he's having to deal with that. It, it, it works. I can't say like he made a bad decision. I think it's personal taste. I'm just like, I went back in a couple scenes, which is honestly maybe more the editor's fault than his. Cause Adam, I, I can't remember. It was one of your, one of these shows you did, you'd said like, it's, it's not an actor's job to decide what stays in. Like you go for it. You don't know what works until you've tried it, but it's, it's the director and the editor that go like, that was awesome. We're keeping that in and having Joaquin Phoenix at one of the games, like sticking his tongue out going, yeah. He he went yes. for that, and and Ridley Scott and the editor said, "Yay, we like it." And that's one that I'm like, ah, okay, it's a moment I remember. So I guess there's that. Yeah, his evil is so 
it's so cowardice though, but it's so evil. And when you get the two, the two laced with each other, God, it's so frustrating to sit there and watch the guy in power. And you're just, you're just all in on this guy getting his comeuppance. And it just, it builds and it builds and builds. And Russell Crowe's performance is just so, it's so admirable. It's so likable. And yeah, throw, throw in the Hans Zimmer score. My God. I mean, this, I mean, this or this, I guess this and Lion King maybe is top two. Or I guess you could split, split hairs a little bit on that. But I mean, it's, it's, just it again it's it's one of those scores that just that, that takes over your your emotions in not in the forceful way in the in the cinematic way uh, yeah um yeah it's one of those movies where i think i you know i was reminded sort of uh listening to some other episodes and just and just kind of talking to students that you know it's the actor's job to tell the story and um I think this movie, like when I try to break down like the elements of film, right? I think the cast, I mean, yes, Russell Crowe as a lead is great. And, and I think walking uh, Phoenix gives a great uh, supporting almost seems like a, like an insult, but a great, you know, mm. co-lead performance. I think even the, the, I mean, outside of, I mean, you got, you know, you've got famed Shakespearean actor, Derek, uh, Derek Jacoby is one of the, uh, the side kind of senators in the, in the, in the world, uh, Richard Harris, who's only in it for like the first 20 minutes of the movie. Um, so you've got that uh, for a, a movie that was so mishandled in terms of the script kind of ending with a pretty basic story told really well. I, you know, the visual effects sort of kind of coming. I know people don't like some of the glad, uh, the Coliseum stuff. I think it works well. Um, and when it is practical, when they are on set, the the costumes of it all the production design the score i mean there's just there's there's not a myth we, we talked about not being a misfire on the cast i don't think there's a misfire in the making of the movie and is it a little bit long yeah i, I mean it probably but i also have a hard time th- and working around and then like I mean, the thing about some of these movies that we're talking you know alien gladiator uh and blade runner all of these have their issues. All of them have their like behind the scenes things. I mean, Oliver Reed died while making the movie and Legend. they still found a way to fit it into the story and make it work. And like, I don't know. I know that's one of those extra things that aren't necessarily important to the film, but it, and the nostalgia factor is real. It's all of what I just said. Plus like, I just, I just grew up with this movie and I think it's, it's, it's still really good. Yeah, I mean, it was like I, I, I agonized over this one versus two. I really did. It, it hurt. It hurt putting it here too. And and I'm I'm happy that it did get some recognition in the one slot from one of us. And yeah, and just you know, again, just to just we've we've glossed over him a couple of times here. Oliver Reed's performance in this is just knowing that he's you know that this was this is his last time on a set and and what he he put out on the court here with this is just. Just phenomenal. And I'd have to think, I'd have to think many people look at this as Ridley Scott's best directing performance. I mean, it, it's his lone best picture winner. It, he loses to Soderbergh. Yeah. Who's, who was oddly nominated twice that year, right? Which yeah. is, they don't even, they would never, I don't think they'd ever do that again. I don't know how many times this even happened. And I'll, um, I'll say this. I, I really like Traffic. I think in terms of movies that deal with the drug epidemic, I think Traffic is actually really high up there. But I think this was Ridley's. This was Ridley's. Yeah, yeah this was his chance, and it does hurt a little. 
Yeah. And then and I just did the Ian thing. On top. I, I swore I wouldn't do this. Every episode you guys had, Ian. Ian refers to Ridley Scott on a first name basis like they're buds. And it always stuck <laughs> out to me. And I thought it was weird. And I just freaking did it. That's amazing. That's absolutely amazing. He's chiming in. He's chiming in yeah. with this right there. That's what that is. Um, yeah. And then I and I I don't want to just necessarily hard pivot, but let's let's talk about your number ones. Let's talk about Alien. Kieran, I'm I'm blown away by this. I never could have pegged this. So I think you should. Yeah. So, okay. So um, again, rewatched it. Rewatched it again for this one. This is one I haven't seen in several years. I saw it for the first time in 2014. So this is not a movie that was a part of my youth in in any way, shape, or form. You know, I, I was the girl I've seen at the time was like, never seen alien. Like, well, we're watching alien, alien too. And okay, here we go. Um, so I, I don't, I don't want to get too verbose at this, but um, I'm someone who is, who works within the, uh, the bar industry as a, in, in management and, and eventually hopefully in, in pr- pr- uh, propriety. And one of the things I'm learning in the process is, is that in order to make, to make a, your establishment stand out a little bit, is you have to every little thing has to constantly be cleaned there can't be dust anywhere there can't be smudge it can't be a smudge in the mirror there can't be dust in the windowsill and even if it looks fine you got to look for places to clean you got to look for it. and it's it's an everyday thing it never stops and if you fail to do that it, you become a quote-unquote dive the reason I'm, I'm throwing that out here is because if you look at ridley scott's movies whether it's alien whether it's a good year or legend or any of the many movies we've discussed throughout this podcast, you're not going to find a smudge on a mirror. You're not going to find dust on a windowsill. That is one of the things he does. His movies look a certain way. And that's part of the world building that you talked about, Adam. And, and two notes that, that, um, that, that I made here, just in listening to your intro, Adam, um, talking about his father and talking about his childhood. And, and Adam, you, you mentioned world building as a place that you went to. If you could, if you could put a, put a phrase to Ridley Scott, world building to me, it's, it's, I a hundred percent agree with it. That's, that's, that's a better, a better one than mine. But mine that I looked at first was, was patience. This man is so patient while putting his films together. And, and when you say that his father was a sailor, and that he, growing up, Ridley was an artist. Two professions that require unlimited amounts of patience. Um, Alien just, to me, exemplifies all of that. I mean, this is a slow build into a slow burn into a, into a wonderful, dark painting of a movie. And it's, it's, it's one that y- you may not click it on and ultimately be sucked into what's going on but if you let yourself go on the journey with these people you're going to have an experience like no other it's a genre transforming film it's the greatest horror movie ever made and honestly hot take i think it's i think it's possibly the best space movie subgenre movie ever made the, uh, the 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 you guys highlighted this in in the podcast that you and ian did um the claustrophobia, moving the set in gradually as it goes. I heard that. I was like, oh, my God. Yes, I felt that. I felt that. That's that's so cool. That makes so much sense. Um, it is it is the the mood. The ambiance is just so 
palpable. It is an incredible achievement in film. It's an incredible achievement in film. And uh, I, I, I just don't, I don't think that any of his movies are better directed than this. I don't think many movies are better directed than this. It's, it's a, it's a tremendous, tremendous vision. It's a, it's an unbelievable experience if you turn yourself over to it. And yeah, number one alien, man. Mike. I mean, I was about to go subjective and very hyperbolic, but I I can't even match because I was going to say one of the top five science fiction movies, one of the top five horror movies the best alien design in any movie ever, maybe creature design mm. in any movie ever. Uh, what you said, Kieran, genre transformative, the elevation of the, the trope of the monster, the maniac picking off the heroes from the dark corridor. And, and to circle back to what I was saying about Blade Runner, where I think the ambiguity is a strength and the different readings work, but they get away from Ridley Scott. This is the only Ridley Scott movie where I feel all the ambiguities 100% work, that the the space to breathe and the space to explore for yourself never feels like someone said like, ah, I'll throw something out there and you figure out what it means to you. It feels of a vision. It's in control, but there is a lot open to interpretation. The psychosexual terrors going on with HR Ge- uh, Geiger's designs. Um, great. I mean, even just tripping up the plot to, to spend most of the movie thinking Tom Skerritt's our guy. He's the captain of the ship. He's the hero. He's going to make it out. And all of a sudden, like, this Ripley character that comes out of nowhere and when you rewatch the movie you're like no it doesn't we've been building her up the whole time um I I love the alien franchise in general I mean we were joking at the start of the show Adam I I like alien resurrection I'm not gonna say it's a good movie I'm gonna say it's a pretty bad movie but I have a lot of fun with it um and it just it kicks off right away it elevates the monster movie into high art um it's just it's just kind of near perfect to me and, and to say like there's there's faults i have with it i think some of the line readings can be a little wonky but it's it's a monster movie i'm not gonna fault it for that stuff i i adore it i think it's one of the supreme contributions to creature cinema like the, not even just the idea of the alien itself but this life cycle and preying on reproductive fears and that being a big part of humanity like it's a dense movie but it works as it's how i want to watch a scary movie this is manageable. It's two hours. It's great. It's a slow burn, but it's one of the great slow burns. Um, it's it's an easy pick for me. Like as soon as we said top five, I didn't. It wasn't even like, oh, what's number one going to be? It's like, okay, what's number two? Mm. I uh, so I was I, I've seen Alien a couple times, and I I had it on the other night while I was sort of adding some some finishing touches to this this outline, and I wasn't like set like set to watch it. Like I wasn't going to just sit down and watch it. I was going to kind of have it on and look up and get yep, cool. Great. And take notes. Um, but so many moments it, it pulled me in and from basically the moment that, uh, they, um, uh, John Hurt's character gets lowered down to where, um, the face hugger comes out. I realized that not only had I stopped typing, but my hands were hovering above the keyboard. So I, I hadn't even really moved. And after the um, the chestburster scene and it runs away, I I I went to like do something and I think I went to take a note and I realized that I wasn't I wasn't even on my keyboard and I was like oh shit I stopped taking notes minutes ago and the the I mean we I I hate to just be repetitive but the way that this movie like eases you in it's mm. just it does it so subtly. 
that you don't even realize that you're in the movie that you're in because it's like it's like guys talking about fucking bonuses and like I'm not gonna do this shit while this is going on. I fucking love Yafet Koto and Harry Dean Stanton in this uh-huh. movie, um, but like it, you don't even you don't even realize the movie that you're in and, until you're in it, and it's like and then you're right, like all of a sudden, like fucking Tom Skerritt's gone. He he's just out of the picture now. Um, don't and don't get me wrong. This being at number two is not a slight against the movie right. at all. <laughs> not even a little bit. Um, and it was one. And you know when we were prepping the the season, like this was a this was an Ian pick. But I was I was so so thrilled to get the chance to to talk about it with him. Yeah, I <laughs> you know I have to think. I, we have to just mention the fact that this is this comes out four years after Star Wars. Right, two, two years, two years after, two. two years after Star Wars, even crazier, and and around around what about a decade after two thousand one, Space Odyssey. Yeah. yeah, yep. So this is a bold undertaking. Like, like think about that. Like Star Wars is two years after Star Wars means that everybody is still talking about Star Wars, probably still watching Star Wars. It's probably mm-hmm. theaters still playing Star Wars, and we're only a decade after two thousand one, Space Odyssey. I mean, and you're gonna you're gonna go to, you're gonna go into space with with the, uh, the fantasy creatures and doing this and that. This is a bold move, and to to hit that pitch out of the ballpark, that's some swing. And and it it, it, it and it's in many ways, it it kind of like we said, it transforms what those genres were doing. And uh, man, I know Ian. Uh, Ian was raving about Ian Holmes' performance in this mm. in the episode, and he's my favorite part of this movie too. And, and that's kind of the the tip of the cap to the how from the 2001 and and, and all that too with the 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 machine taking over man, and it's an incredible incredible performance, and and just a fascinating character. Uh, you know, of course, of course, Sigourney Weaver in this too. You you, you have to tip your cap too. Um, I I do want to throw out also. That you know, uh, Mike, you said you're a little surprised that that I that I had this at one, and you noticed that I haven't either. seen, yeah, yeah, and I haven't seen those, I haven't seen those other ones, I haven't seen Covenant, and I haven't seen uh, Prometheus and whatnot. I'm I'm a little afraid to go there. There's part of me that doesn't want. I like the movie as is. Listen, I'm a Terminator One guy. All right, I'm a Batman Begins guy. I like I like the move, the first movie. I like the origin, the right right there. That's the movie. The sequels don't always do it for me, man. And I'm I'm a little nervous to start expanding the world. I don't want to. I don't want to find out what the space jockey is either. I want that creepy ass image to be what it is and uh, let it haunt me that way. I don't 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 give me an origin on it. Yeah. I'm- yeah. And, and it's not gonna like ruin it. Like there's still ambiguity between like what that specific space jockey is. But you're fine to miss it. Like you're not missing out on a ton of stuff. And and if you do, you know, like two mediocre prequels can't ruin a masterpiece like i, I get kind of tired of people being like oh me just came now like aliens ruined fuck you like alien can't be ruined yeah yeah i to circle back i i wanted to bring up the star wars thing and this is a little behind the scenes and it's kind of more just to speak to respect i have for ridley scott because he's i think he's on an audio commentary is he, he threw out like the star wars thing that, that alien was made because star wars is a massive hit and all of a sudden fox is like well space is big and what do we have in the pipeline? And there's this script that's been sitting there for a couple of weeks called Alien. 
so it it's made to kind of capitalize off Star Wars. And Ridley Scott is openly very supportive of Star Wars. He he says like it's the he loves George Lucas's first one. It's the best one. It's his favorite one. And I just like that because a, a part of my stumbling block with Ridley Scott is kind of like Kubrick. He's he's a talented director whose work is used to undermine more populist directors whom I like. Um, and so I appreciate that Ridley Scott is a guy who's gone on record to say, I love Star Wars. I took I took a lot of this aesthetic from them and I infused it a little with Kubrick with, you know, landing a spaceship isn't, you know, the Millennium Falcon just swoops in and, you know, pulls a 180 like Ace Ventura and Parks. He's like, no, landing on a planet is like a seven person job and it's meticulous. This is more Kubrick style. So I appreciate he has made his stamp. He didn't just ape Star Wars, but I appreciate that he's this respected intellectual filmmaker who says, I like Star Wars. It's kind of like how I love Kubrick saying like Spielberg's a great director. It's like game recognizes game and they like the stuff I like. And everybody who holds up like Kubrick and Ridley Scott is like, they're intellectual. They're the true filmmakers and get your George Lucas's and Steven Spielberg's out of here. I just love that. I can say like, well, Ridley Scott and Stanley Kubrick like those guys movies a lot. <laughs> yeah, no. And, 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 yeah. And, you're, and obviously in, and in this book right here, um, they, they talk about that, that Ridley definitely aped, not just from, um, Star Wars book Close Encounters as well. Yeah. And he made his own thing and it's it's a masterpiece. It's yeah. great. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um and one last thing on Alien to to point out a, a great episode and and really like to be sentimental. I listened to the Alien episode yesterday and it was great to hear Ian's voice and to be gushing mm. about this movie that I like to gush about. Um but you guys talked about the supplements. Ridley Scott's a guy who's got some great making of documentaries. Um the Dangerous Days documentary for Blade Runner is amazing. It's almost better than Blade Runner. And the uh, the Alien Quadrilogy, the anthology, is maybe my favorite Blu-ray set that I own. And I just wanted to throw this out there, Adam, that you guys are right. Dan O'Bannon is the most entitled print alive. But I could listen to him all day. I love those interviews. I When I was re-listening to the episode, I was like, you know what? Like... Dan O'Bannon makes me want to rip my face off. <laughs> like, <laughs> I just, I, he, With oh, the bow tie. Oof. yeah. He, oh, what a, what a, he's your own, he's your own he's personal a... face hugger. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I've, I've done the, uh, the, the, the calculating over here and, uh, I've assembled our cumulative top five, Ridley Scott films. Exciting. So here we go. Number five, Thelma and Louise. Number four, Blade Runner. Number three, and surprisingly high, not nothing wrong with this, The Martian. Yeah. Number two, Gladiator. And number one, Alien. Those are top solid. five Ridley Scott films. How do we feel about that list? Pretty good. Yeah, that's. Great. I feel real good about it. I want to ask you this, Adam. How would Ian feel about that, in your mm-hmm. opinion? Um. So, knowing Ian, uh, Kingdom of Heaven would have been in his top five. I don't know where. I I think we when we talked about um on Gladiator, we talked about the four films that, of Ridley Scott's that were in the book which are Gladiator, Thelma and Louise, Blade Runner, and Alien. And we, we kind of, and, and his friend Josh was on that episode too. And we kind of came to the agreement that those are like the four right movies to have in the book. Um, 
there's I don't think there's any way that Gladiator or Blade Runner or Alien is not on his list. I think Kingdom of Heaven would be as well. And so it's sort of this idea of what is that fifth movie? Um, but I, I got to say, I think I, I and it's it's funny because I, I got done watching The Martian and I thought I that's like the one movie I'm not totally positive. I don't think he hated it, but I don't know how much he enjoyed it. So The Martian might be the one that we got shit for. But other than that, I think he would think this is a solid list. I think awesome. so, too. Can I, can I pitch? I think I actually have a... I think I might know what his top five would be. Sure. I'm gonna throw, and then Liz can, can chime in for me. I, I, we Blade love Runner Liz would be number one. We love Liz. <laughs> Blade Runner would be number one. I think you would have Alien at number two. I think you would do Gladiator at three. I think you'd do Kingdom of Heaven at four. And I think you'd have Thelma and Louise in five. Hmm. That's, that, that does sound That's about my theory. right. Yeah. yeah I, th- I, I think... I, he- could, I could see him throwing a curveball in the five just to keep it interesting. But I think you're probably right there, Mike. I I honestly would not be surprised. (laughs) I honestly would not be surprised if, if a good year made his five, but I know that kingdom of heaven would, I know that. Very cool. So, I mean, I mean, here's the thing we are, we have just broached uh best picture cast length with this. Episode. Oh, that's, that's me. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, that, no. It's there, contagious. there was a, uh, we, we tried to stick to the typical things that we would talk about on a director ranking. We had to build our library, talk our top five. Um, uh, Kieran, Mike, I, I not just appreciate you coming on to talk Ridley Scott, but spending so much time doing it, you and you're not on Pacific standard time. So I know it is much later for both of you where you are. Karen's the MVP here. We owe it all to you, man. No, that's all good. And and I remember one of the, one of my interactions at the end that, I, that I'll just share is when, you know, we were talking and I said, Hey, you know, check out one of our episodes. And I think the first episode he listened to and gave a little criticism on was, was silence of the lambs or silence of the lambs episode. And he said, uh, he said, it's really good. You know, I, I like it. You know, might want to consider possibly bringing the runtime down a little bit. <laughs> and we didn't take his advice, unfortunately. And not only that, but in his, in a tribute episode to him, we've run a long time. <laughs> we've run a long time, a runtime up probably longer than any 1001 episodes been. So uh, I, I tip my cap to you. And I, I do thank for him for his insight, but uh, I, I love him nonetheless. Um, so, uh, uh, so this, this is a, is a special release. Um, uh, and, and I, I, again, I don't know necessarily the, the future of a thousand one by one and what it'll mean, but um, it, it felt right. It felt like the, the right people to come on and talk about it. And um and it was it was fun to to talk Ridley Scott with with both of you. Um, any any final words want to be shared before we we wrap it up here? I I just want to plug one thousand and one by one. Go listen to the archives; they're out there. I myself, uh, as they came out back in the day when when Ian and Adam were doing them, I would listen to them on my walk to work. And I still do now. I listen to the archives on, on my walk to work. It's a, it's a weekly routine for me. And it's there's a ton of film knowledge in there. They're all available to you. Adam is releasing them as he goes. There's still a little uh, some out there to, to, that are still waiting to be released. So you, you can you can wait on the edge of your seat a little bit for it. But there's so much knowledge that even though he's not with us today, 
has to offer us. And, uh, and it's just, it's great banter and great conversation. It's, it's a wonderful podcast. So, so that's the plug that I have for you today. And I'll just, I'll just throw an appreciation that it, it meant, it meant a lot to me to be picked as part of the crew for a big show to tackle Ridley Scott, to, to honor Ian. And, and as a fan of a thousand one by one, especially the list shows that I've loved playing along with at home and chipping in to, to be invited on meant a lot. So thanks guys. Yeah. Um, and thank you. Yeah. Thank you both. Yeah. Uh, so, so Mike, Kieran, again, Mike running cinemasts, uh, Kieran over best picture cast, uh, please give them a follow. Please listen to their shows. They're, they're in different ways. Totally great listens. Um, so uh this is on our this is on the below freezing feed because it because it is um uh, but if you've stuck around uh, to listen to this whole thing, uh, we truly appreciate it. You can still find us on Twitter and kind of let us know what you think about our list if we got it wrong, what we should have put on there instead. Um, nothing to stay tuned for because if it comes up, we'll let you know. Uh, but until um, we we all kind of meet again, uh, this has been a thousand one by one. My name is Adam. Ian, this one was for you. <laughs> <laughs>